0: Welcome back to the Redbird Report. I am your host, Scott Prerost, and with me, as always, I have my
1: sports editor, Reed Watkins. How's it going, Reed? You know, as always, ready to talk Redbird sports. I'm excited.
0: As always, uh, we had a big bounce-back win for the ISU football team. We'll dive right into that. Um, even with the 41 nothing win over Dayton, I think this was the best, especially in the second half that this team has looked um, this year. Um, the defense allowed 17 points only against... I would say the best offense that they faced. Um, a really good running back there, and Giamo, and then a uh, really mobile quarterback with a solid arm as well. Um, and then the offense as well, 48 points, a season high. Um, Annex did really bounce back in a big way, career high in passing yards at 288. Uh, he went 26 to 33, a very efficient outing. Two touchdowns, and then they ran for a touchdown as well. Uh, Mason Blakemore was out, and you had Cole Mueller step up in a big way. And then Wankers Wright went down early, and Josh Robinson. Um, the freshman, uh, true freshman, um, fumbled his second carry of the game, but then bounced back. He led the team in rushing. I believe he had um, 80 yards, I think it was, and then he had um, a touchdown of his own, his first career touchdown, Um, but just a really good performance from each and every player. Um, I think Sabkowicz had a career high in receiving yards. He was one short of reaching 100. It was just Like I said, this was the best this team has looked. Um, Lindenwood had one really solid drive that they scored on, and then they had one drive where um, Jeff Caldwell, their receiver, took a Mm 73-yard slant, um, just got beat. He beat the corner, and then just he's a fast guy, tall, lengthy. It's going to be hard to catch him at that point. So they got a, a big chunk right there, obviously. Um, But like I said, for the most part, the defense continues to do what they're doing. 20 sacks on the season through four games. Five sacks a game is a really good number. Um, 12.25 points per game allowed. Like, this is just, they are playing a really good brand of football. And you really wish they would have gotten that Eastern win because if you win that game, you're 4-0. and You have so much momentum going into this bye before you have to host South Dakota State, and your playoff outlook looks so much better. But they're still in a position where they have to take a couple games that at the beginning of the year were like, it's okay if you lose these, and now it might not be okay if they lose them.
1: Yeah, and I think there is kind of that shadow over everything because of that loss to Eastern Illinois. Um, so they do, they do need an upset to kind of flip that um, on its head and kind of make it overshadow that feeling with a big upset win that's kind of all we're talking about but yeah it was a really impressive performance against Lindenwood and it was good to see this offense doing what it's capable of um, I think we talked about the big play capability and we saw that on Saturday and I'm really excited to see how Annex said continues to grow continues to build on a performance like that they have the bye week this week I'm curious what their uh, focus is because you know, we talked about at the beginning of the season the defense is not going to be what's winning you games, but we saw yesterday it's the highest graded defense by PFF. I mean, it's insane the efficiency they have had so far. Um, obviously, the lighter competition earlier in the year for them, but yeah, just really impressive. Um, the defense has been able to come in and not miss a beat.
0: Yeah, the offense hasn't missed a beat either. I think they're at. 451 yards per game or something like that. Mm. It's, uh, it's up there in the top, uh, I think it was 15 in FCS, actually. Um, but defensively, I think the biggest thing I'm going to talk about this, uh, keep an eye out for my article later this week, uh, <laughs> but uh, Ty Neekamp, um an incredible emergence for him. He's a redshirt freshman, so he didn't play last year. Um, he got his first start of the year week one only because um, Kate Campos, I believe, was out. Um, So they had to start him, and he played so well. They're like, we can't take you out of the lineup now. He leads the team in tackles with 31. He leads the team in pass breakups with five. Um, He has four tackles for loss and one and a half sacks. Like He is a force on this defense, and I don't know coming into the year. I talked to Spack, and he said that he knew – camp't had what it took. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, he's a coach's son. He's the defensive coordinator's son, so he knew that he had what it took to be a good football player—mindset-wise, physicality-wise, every all of those. But he didn't know that it would happen this soon. Right. A, like I said, he's a red for, redshirt freshman. He's played four collegiate football games, and he's already arguably the best player on that defense, like so far this year. Obviously, Keandre Dr- Jackson's been awful or awesome, um, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> Dylan Gearhart's been awesome. Um, like this defense is doing a lot of things, but Ty camp has been the best player on the defense in my opinion.
1: Yeah. I mean, I like that you point him out because it feels wrong if I do, because Ty and I went to the same high school here in, at, in normal community. And I've always kind of, you know, I like to keep an eye out on the guys um, that go there, obviously. And I think he's been extremely impressive and, you know, I got to play alongside him for just a little bit there and, like you said, you know, you you look at him, especially in high school, you don't see maybe the all-star football player that he is. He put on a lot of muscle since then. He looks much more physically impressive. And I think he's shown that everything that works in his head, you know, in terms of, you know, technique and mindset and everything like that, he's added to that a lot of physical skill and, you know. Um, bulked up in a way that makes him an elite defender already at this level, and it's just really impressive to see how he's uh continued to build, um, since he's you know got out of high school and had that redshirt year to do that.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like I said, I there's not a player on the D div- like every single player has done more than what maybe they were expected to do, it seems like. Cause, I I even talked to Spack during the weekly press conference, and I asked him, like, has this team exceeded expectations up to this point defensively? Because, like, you knew the offense needed to take that step, but you knew this was a young defense. And he admitted that, yeah, it had. They forced way more pressure than he could have expected coming into the year. That was the one thing he really emphasized. Because they have 20 sacks. To be honest, that number could probably be higher, especially that Dayton game. They Mm -hmm. missed a number of tackles in that game that probably could have been sacks, um, And then Eastern Illinois, I don't think they got a ton of sacks because that quarterback was getting the ball out fast. I think he Mm -hmm. started 20 of 20, and a lot of the completions were down the line of scrimmage, and then they take it from there. But it's just amazing what they're doing. And like I said, offensively, Zach Yannick's dead bounce back in an absolutely massive way, um, and they need him to be playing at his best. Um, Josh Robinson, there were questions um, about whether or not he could redshirt because Mm sometimes— It's not even that necessarily he is hurt, but sometimes you'll redshirt more for the fact of you're not gonna, like we don't need you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you, there's just no room for you on the roster. Mm-hmm. You're a great player, but let's save your extra year of eligibility so that you can have that more prominent role for a longer period of time. Um, I think that's out of the question at this point. We don't know when Mason Blakemore is going to be coming back. I believe it was a shoulder injury there. And then Wanker's right down with a knee injury. So mm-hmm. they're going to need Josh Robinson. And he, he stepped up, like I said, besides that fumble. And that fumble came early, and he bounced back in a big way. So I, I'm really excited about what they can do. I'm really curious to see what happens in the South Dakota State game. Because I don't know, maybe on the team they are, but I don't know if people around the league are thinking the Redbirds can go into that game and beat South Dakota State. But it's the Missouri Valley. Anything can happen on any given Saturday. And if you play your best football, if your offense looks the way that it has with being efficient with a mix of run and pass, and your defense gets the pressure that it needs, you can contain granowski there. Um, this is this is going to be a really good matchup. I think, uh, I think ISU is going to make their presence known early, and if they can do that, anything can happen. I don't know if you remember Reed. I think it was uh, two years ago when they played – North Dakota State at home. The offense mm. wasn't there, but the defense did so good. I think it was thirteen nothing mm. going into the fourth think, in that yeah. game. Like they they were in that game the entirety of it. And I, I South Dakota State's a really good team. They're one of the mm. best offenses and defenses in F C, not only the MVFC but FCS as a whole. And I think uh, I think you were going to be in for a really exciting matchup because uh, if the Redbirds can prove themselves there, the prove that they can compete, it'll give you so much confidence going to that Indiana State. Northern Iowa, Missouri State, uh, North Dakota, even to close out the season, you give yourself a chance to win some of those games that were toss-ups before the season.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I think um, going into that game, you talk about South Dakota State. I think the crowd is going to be, you know, one of the biggest things for this team. Is you saw the sellout last weekend. Can you get a similar crowd for this game when the number one team in the country comes into your house and? Can you make it a tough environment for them to play for, play in? And um, I think that's going to be the difference. And just sticking around to see what this team is capable of um, and, you know, giving them an advantage at home. Because I think we saw this team struggle at Eastern. They struggled to get started at Western. And, you know, I think we didn't see any of that. They were very comfortable at home in front of a big crowd, um, that was cheering them on. So I think that was a big difference. I also want to point out Eddie Casper. Um, I think he is one of the most outstanding receivers we have seen from this team. Um, kind of the way that we saw Jalen Carr play last year. He is just quick and fast and makes you miss. Um, I'm really excited to see what he can do. I've been very impressed with him to start the season. And I think Jalen Carr is going to come back. Don't, don't get me wrong. Jalen Carr is uh, just one game back from a absence um he missed the eastern one so I think we're going to see both of them continue to make plays out of the slot
0: yeah definitely I think uh I wish I had the number on I mean I can't find it at the moment um ISU's record at home under Brock's back is ridiculous like they struggled to lose at home and a lot of those home losses have been more recently too because you had like I mentioned North Dakota State you had Southern Illinois and Youngstown State last year a couple of heartbreaking mm-hmm. losses but like when this team's at Hancock Stadium, they're a tough team to be, and I think that's going to be the case the rest of this year. Luckily, a lot of their games are at home. They play Northern Iowa at home. They play uh, Murray State at home, Indiana State at home, and then South Dakota State at home. I think those are the last four home games. I, I think I mentioned this, but eight of their 11 games are in the state of Illinois. They only leave Illinois for Missouri State, Murray State, and – oh, no, Missouri State – Youngstown State and North Dakota, I believe, right? Like, three where they leave the yep. state of Illinois. So, um, they have that advantage, and let's see if they can take advantage of it. Um, but they, like we said, we they, they have the bye week this week and then a night game, their first of the year. Um, two Saturdays from now, um, hosting South Dakota State. I won't be there, but Reed will have you covered along with our sports reporter, Noah Powell. Um, make sure to tune in for that game. I think, uh, I think the Redbirds are going to have a chance to shock a lot of people there, hmm. but we will move on. ISU volleyball kicks off MVC play. Um, Reed, they went 0 and 2. I believe they won two sets on the weekend. Is that right?
1: Um, let's see. They got swept in the. They swept. Game. Got Northern so, Iowa. Is, okay.
0: Yeah. Um. I mean, we talked that these would probably be the two best teams in the conference, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, you competed. You competed early on. I think teams pulled away, but. You showed early on that you were capable of competing in the Missouri Valley Conference, and now you just have to build off of it. But we talked about it for the weeks heading up to it. It was was a tough start to Valley play, to say the least.
1: Yeah, uh, I think it's, it's a tough weekend, no doubt. But the teams that came into your house are just really, really talented and have kind of, in my eyes at least, set themselves apart in the Missouri Valley Conference as the top two teams. And that's how the coaches saw it at the beginning of the year. Um so, yeah, it's a tough way to start the season. Um, but, yeah, that 3-1 loss to Drake, it was tough because they won the first one, 27-25, and it, I thought it might have you know not even as been as close as that was. So um, it was tough to get lose three in a row um, to Drake at home when it seemed like they had him on the ropes for just a second there. And then the next night, Northern Iowa, it felt like they just weren't ready when – uh, at the word go, you know, and it just was a challenging one to get down in. Um, it was one of the more interesting matches I've watched this season because they switched liberos in the second set. Um, went with Madison Smith, um, to kind of look at Mari Hinkle to wake up a little bit. And they got that reaction out of her, um, in the third set for their closest set of the night, 25, 22, but it just wasn't enough at that point. Um, so they showed they can compete a little bit. There's no question. Um, but I asked Coach Matters after the at the end of the press conference, after the Northern Iowa match, does it feel like there's kind of a sigh of relief at this point in your season? because you played the Power Five schools in the preseason. You start with the two toughest teams in the conference. Now you can kind of look to battle against teams that you are, you know, built to compete against much more heavily than you would other teams. Um, and you know she admitted, it's kind of, does feel that way where you can start to really feel like you're in each of these matches um, when your goal isn't you know, just to compete but to win. And you're going to start to see that more from this team, I would hope, especially starting this weekend um, at Murray State and at Belmont.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think that's how it is with a lot of teams, especially when you create that tough non-conference schedule, It's for a reason. Not only are you trying to get that at-large bid for some of these sports where you can get those, um, but you're also trying to set yourself up for success where, yeah, you played these people, and now you know what the best of the best look like. Now you're never going to play, or you're not going to play anybody else that's quite on that level from here on out. And you shouldn't overlook these teams, but now you've seen what it takes to be the best, so now you can beat these teams and gain some momentum that way. And I think that's going to be really important for this team, because they have four on the road in a row here, Murray State, Belmont, Valpo, and I and UIC. Um, they're going to re- really need to bounce back here early in conference play just to not let it get away from them early on. Um, but, yeah, like I said, they're back in action Friday night, 6 p.m. in Murray, Kentucky. Keep an eye out for updates on that. Anything else yeah. on volleyball, Reed?
1: Uh, still missing Reagan Haith was the only other thing was um, they were doing this without uh Are you MB- aware what it is exactly? It is a foot injury that's kind of you know not exactly specific as far as I'm concerned. Um, and she's just been – she was on a, uh, a knee scooter for a while and then got off of that this weekend, but is still was still in a boot at each of the games on the bench. So um, They were hopeful for her at the start of MVC play. Obviously, that didn't work out in these first two, but um, it's not like she set, shut down for the season or anything like that, so we're hoping to see her get back. That is a MVC um, all-freshman team member from last year, so definitely someone you want to get back. Of course, um, you see... You know, you have Cassie Jordan in that role, and then um, on the block, I mean, Kara Cooper as a hitter does an outstanding job as well. So um, they've been able to kind of step up in her absence at that spot for sure, but it will be a huge boost to get her back when that happens.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, We'll move on. Um, ISU Soccer um, dropped their first match in a really long time, to be honest. Um, They lost 4-1 to Missouri State. Um, promising start for them as they got ahead 1-0 early on a Kelsey McLaughlin goal. Uh, I believe it was 29 minutes into the into the match, but then from then on, Missouri State kind of just took over. Um, they scored two goals in a matter of nine minutes, um, and then they scored again in the 58th and 78th minutes. So they kind of pulled away. Missouri State's one of the tougher teams in the conference. Um, to say the least, like I said, they're the team that ISU kind of knocked out of that one seed at the end of the year last year. Um, but still – offense looked good early it's just a matter of finding that consistency now um you have momentum with this team I know it's a 4-1 loss to Missouri State but like I said Missouri State's a really good team you have a lot of momentum if you're the Redbirds just don't let up keep going Uh, I believe they're back in action this Thursday um I think it's Sunday
1: right for puppies at the pitch
0: it's Thursday. Oh, right. So, the tomorrow they're on the road at Belmont. Sunday, they host Southern Illinois for puppies at the pitch. Mm. That'll be an awesome atmosphere there. <laughs> um, but, no, like this team, like we said, they they have momentum. Um, last year there was a long stretch where they were getting shut out. That mm. hasn't been the case this year. I mean, you lost that match to North Dakota. Um, but since then, you've scored in each of the last five matches. And you don't see that all the time. With the, Like I said, with this offense, the way it struggled last year. But they've scored seven nine goals in the last five matches that's a good number it's just a matter of now can you hold these other teams because they allowed two zero one one in the four matches before and you got two wins and two draws then you allowed four to missouri state you're always gonna have a tough time winning a match if you allow four goals um but like i said don't panic just bounce back Mm -hmm. uh you have belmont like i said thursday you host southern sunday find some momentum keep building on it this is a short season when you really look at it um it ends earlier than you would expect, October twenty second. It's an outdoor sport, so it's not always going to go super deep. It's not like football where you're in pads and you can sweater up and everything, and you can play deep in November like they do. This is their last uh, regular season match. I think is October twenty second or something like that. Um, but no, this team they have a lot of potential. Like we said over and over again, they're young. Uh, Marissa Kresge is a young coach, but they're they're doing good things here um, with the Redbird soccer program.
1: Yeah, no question. Uh, Missouri State is. Uh, Now at the top of the conference um, with seven points, they have two wins and a a draw. So, yeah, like you said, a tough team. The only reason that one stings a little bit is because of the four unanswered goals. You know, you go up early and just can't uh, respond when they take the lead. Um, So that was really just the toughest part about that match. But, um, yeah, ISU is not quite at the bottom of the conference, but you're looking to separate yourself from the teams that are there. Um, you're facing Belmont, who uh, has not won a match in the conference. They're one, and 2 so uh, only one win this season. Um, there's definitely a chance to get back um, and kind of separate yourselves. So there's a lot, of, a lot of room to move up quickly in the Missouri Valley Conference standings. The top four teams all have two wins, and then Valparaiso at five has one win. The rest are winless in the MVC. So there's a lot of ways to move up the standings quickly. And a win this week, um, Thursday, Sunday, obviously you want to win both, but um, either one of those would be a big boost for this program.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like we said, they already matched their win total from last year, I believe, right? I think,
1: think they're one, one ma- they're one match away.
0: So that's just it's an incredible bounce back, like I said. I mean, you had the entire season last year. You really struggled last year, um, and it was the offense not producing. Your defense wasn't that bad, but now your offense is doing it lock in on defense, and you have a chance to really bounce back in a big way. I think, uh, like I said, this team has a lot of potential. I'm really excited to see what they do this year. Um, Like we said, Thursday and Sunday, um, Thursday at Belmont, Sunday hosting Southern Illinois. We'll move on. Um, The live results for women's golf are in. Uh, I believe every team is done now. Uh, The Redbirds finished day one in 13th. Climbed to 11th after day two and climbed three more spots into a tie for eighth with Missouri State at plus 32. That is the final score. Um, Like I said, the Redbirds shot 311 on day one. Then they shot 25 strokes better on the second day, and then they shot a 299 on day three. But uh, it it was a good bounce back. Maybe not exactly where you want to be in your final result, but it's hard to bounce back when you shoot that 311 in the first round.
1: Right, and I think that was the impressive thing was, you know, you see the first round results. Was their opening tournament at home was that, you know, something that kind of had us mistaken for how we evaluate this team? I think they showed in these last two rounds that um, it was just a bad day, an isolated incident um, for the most part, and they're you know going to be competitive throughout the year. Um, They're tied with NBC rival Missouri State. Um, They beat Drake. Um, So I think they're competing against the teams they need to be beating to bring home an MVC championship way down the road in the spring, and that's what you want to see out of this team right now.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, Just a couple individual names to mention. Evelyn Woodward uh, led the Redbirds two over par on the tournament. Um, She shot one over par today. Um, The Round 269, I believe what they said was like the 10th. I believe it was the 10th under 70 round. Um, in school history, um, so really good performance there. But like I said, a tough round one, 76 there, and then a 73 um, today. Um, Jin Young yoon four over par. She shot three over today, so her and Avalon Woodward were both one over par um, heading into the day. Um, and then I think it falls off pretty fast there. Um, Ellie Schrock was plus 13, and then Venetia Gunassian was plus 14. So you'd like to see maybe a little more, a little bit more balance there um, to get that bounce back entirely. Um, But like we said, to climb from 13th to 8th with the first round that you had is a really impressive sign. No question. Um, Like I said, I think they're back in action. I think they have a week off now. Yep, a week off here, and then uh, they'll be back in action the 7th and 8th in Bartonville, Illinois, the Coyote Creek Classic hosted by Bradley. Bradley. Uh, make sure to tune in for live updates of that as well. Um, The last thing I think we want to talk about today, just real fast, um, Illinois State men's basketball hosted their first official practice Monday. Um, We got to see a little bit of what they look like this year. And the biggest thing, um, if you looked at my article that I posted and talked to Ryan Peden, depth, depth, depth. This Mm -hmm. team is uh, a lot deeper than what we saw last year. I think last year you had question marks in that guard position especially. Um, You had about three or four guards rotating pretty uh, pretty consistently. And then even at the post, I mean, you had Kendall Lewis, Liam McChesney, but Liam McChesney was hurt for a while. Um, you had Haruna Sissoko, and then you had Ryan Schmidt on the occasion. But this year you have, like, four or five guys post-wise that, like, should be getting really good mm-hmm. minutes. And then guard-wise, you and I were talking about it, they might have seven guards who, like... Should get minutes and mm-hmm. can't give all of them. It's just not how that works in college basketball. Mm-hmm. Maybe early, in, early in the year, you'll see different lineups week by week. Um, but once you hit conference play, that it just doesn't happen. Unless somebody gets hurt, unless somebody's really in a slump, you don't see lineups switch often like that. And I think, I think. It's going to be interesting to see how Peden works with those rotations because you have a lot of really good young players. Ty Pence is going to be a great basketball player, but you have veterans as well. Uh, Dalton Banks and Jordan Davis are both seniors, transfers, but they are both going to play big roles on this team. Like This team is really balanced, really deep, and I'm really curious to see how it turns out this year.
1: Yeah, no question. And to that point about Peden, you know, last year we saw um – you know if you prove you deserve it you will get minutes you know we saw Nick Saddleman uh walk on getting minutes we saw Malcolm Miller seeing the floor um and not in garbage time but you know contributing and Jaden Johnson especially
0: Jaden Johnson Uh, early in the year especially yeah yeah
1: so if you earn it and of course part of that is due to their lack of depth last season and you know not having performance out of that sandage exactly sure Uh, but If you prove to this coaching staff that you deserve to be on the floor, that's where you will end up. And I think that is going to be something that drives these players throughout practices. Um, So I'm really excited to see how that shakes out. Um, And, yeah, I wouldn't expect um, whoever we see starting that exhibition game October 29th, I would not expect to see – I would say that at some point the starting lineup is going to be switched up. We're going to see a lot of things bounced around just so we can – So ISU can get its best five out there on the court at the same time and then see who the best support players are for them because I think that's their goal is, you know, we're going to bounce things around until we figure out who our best unit is.
0: Yeah, and I mentioned um, kind of that post-depth because you have Kendall Lewis, Miles Foster, Haruna Sissoko, Brandon Lieb, Ryan Schmidt. Um, I don't know if I'm missing anyone there, but... Chase. Chase Walker, mm-hmm. um, I am really curious to see what kind of lineup they bring. Like, do you go small ball ever? Mm-hmm. Like, is there ever a situation where you're like, Ty Pence can play the four just in this type of offense because he's six six, and that way you can get three guards out. Maybe the other team has a small ball, so you do that. Um, do you ever put Ty Pence at, like, the shooting guard or something like that because you're trying to get, a, like, a big mix? Like, I think he's going to be the key here. It's like, right. How versatile can he be? Right in terms of playing one through – I don't think you'll, you'll – never see him at the center probably. But how versatile can he be playing the one through four mm-hmm. offensively and defensively? Because if he, in certain situations, can confidently do play that four with his athleticism, with his size, you can bring out that guard and you can open up the floor shooting-wise. Um, but I think you're also going to see situations where you have Miles Foster and Kendall Lewis both out there because you just want to dominate inside. Like, Miles mm-hmm. Foster is a big kid. Kendall Lewis has a ton of experience. I'm really curious to see what kind of different rotations we see on a week by week, game by game basis.
1: Yeah, no question. It, like you were saying, it kind of seems like how, not how or if, but how is Ty Pence going to be on the floor for this team early? And we're putting a lot of pressure on him as a freshman,
0: but rightfully, I mean, he's the highest ranked recruit for ISU since uh, Osiris Eldridge. How mm-hmm. many years ago was that? 15 years ago or something? Something like that. that, yeah. Like, he has these high expectations and he knows it, but like, he's not going to, he's not going to shove it in people's faces like he's modest about it he's humble he knows what he's doing and I think he's going to be a big part of this team like I don't know, the last time a freshman for Illinois State basketball has been like this guy is going to be a huge part because he's going to determine how we play offensively how we play defensively and uh, you have a lot of veterans on your roster a lot of the guards outside of Pence and Johnny Kinzinger are veterans? Like I said, uh, there are two transfer guards, um, both seniors, I believe. I believe Darius Burford, Malachi Poindexter, and Lucaszukier are all done after this year. Poindexter uh, might have one more year.
1: No, no. Um, they all have. The only people who are done after this year are Kendall Lewis and Sh- Ryan Schmidt. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Even Sissoko could come back for another year you, if, if you he really want. Okay.
0: Two. So it's a lot more than I thought, but it is still <laughs> veteran because a lot, a lot of these guys are getting the years. <laughs> from COVID, mm-hmm. from redshirting, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. So I, I'm i really curious. Like I said, I think you have some time with this roster too, and I'm not saying that that's what Ryan Peden's thinking. Like, we don't have to win. Obviously, you want to win this year, but I think he's probably telling himself and, like, this team, like, we can build this year be really good this year. And then if we do that, look out next year because we could bring back the exact same roster minus obviously Kendall Lewis um, and Ryan Schmidt could be key pieces this year, but you can replace them. Chase Walker is going to be going to his second year. Um, There's this thing called the transfer portal nowadays and then obviously freshmen as well. So I'm really curious to see how it plays out.
1: Yeah, no question. I think, um, like you mentioned about Ty Pence's character, there's a lot of guys that we've interacted with so far um, over the off season, at the, this first practice, there's not a bad person in that locker room, from what we can tell, and they're just all really great to be around. It. And you, I mean, it's hard not to be positive about this group because of uh, how high character they all seem to be from our outsider perspective.
0: Yeah, definitely, and that's what Pete emphasizes. Um, I think that's it for me. Anything else from you, Reed? No. Nope. All right, so like I said, make sure to follow along for updates. There's no football game this weekend, but there is still volleyball, soccer, um, I believe men's golf this weekend, so a lot of Women's action. Tennis. Women's home. tennis, first match of the year, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of action there. Uh, make sure to follow our Twitter accounts at the underscore vidette and at vidy underscore sports, and we will talk to you guys again next week.